Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Mogul Marathon Real Estate Podcast. We highlight keen investment insights and strategies so you can become a real estate mogul. Here's your host, Yannick Kujo Virgin. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mogul Marathon Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Yannick Kujo Virgil, and I'm very excited for our guest today. Today, we have a guest that has successfully transitioned from the world of single family investing to multifamily and has leveraged his systems and relationships to scale into larger acquisitions. And so we are going to get after it in today's podcast. But before we get into that, as you know, today, we're doing another show, but this show runs on reviews, right? And if you haven't already, please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening on today's show to leave a review. It really helps with getting high quality guests like the one we have today, and it also helps with the visibility on podcast platforms. So uh, we've got a ton of feedback, a lot of five-star reviews, but we're looking for more feedback from you, our listeners. And so thank you so much for leaving a review on our show today. So without further ado, today's guest is Victor Leite. Now, Victor is one of the founders of 258 Capital, a real estate investment company focusing on multifamily syndications. He got his start in the single family space and developed a consistent real estate investment track record with over 200 single family burrs and fix and flip projects completed along with building a sizable single family rental portfolio. He has successfully transitioned his skill set towards the multifamily space by acquiring and managing over $30 million worth of multifamily assets as a general partner and operator. Additionally, Victor attended George Washington University School of Medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 13 years. Through real estate, he has been able to generate enough passive income to leave his full-time W-2 job in healthcare. He now enjoys spending time with his two kids in Virginia Beach and has a passion for helping other busy professionals attain the same level of freedom in their own lives. So, Victor, thanks so much for being a guest on our show today. Uh, thank you, Yannick. I'm happy and blessed to be here, man. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. So there's a ton that we're going to talk about in today's podcast. But before we jump in, maybe give our listeners a little bit insight about your story and how you got to where you are today. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, my story is a little bit different than most. Okay. So I, I was born in Brazil and I immigrated to the States as a, as a young man. And I didn't speak the language. I didn't understand the cultures, but, you know, came to this country chasing after that American dream. Right. And so I followed, you know, the path that the others around me told me to follow. Right. So we go to school. I dedicated endless hours to studying. I got good grades. I worked multiple jobs, especially in healthcare to get myself through school, you know, and I was thankfully accepted to the George Washington School of Medicine, and I, you know, I got my medical degree in training, physician associate there, and, and you know I began my path towards practicing medicine. And you know you would think that I finally reached that level of American dream that everybody is in search of, right? But honestly, you know, five plus years into it, and you know, working private practice, you know, running a practice, sixty-hour plus work weeks on-call, overnight call, the patient volume, dealing with the corporate structures of the medical business world, 
those things started to take a toll on me personally. And, and I tell everybody, you know, this is the point where I've really felt that burnout coming. And, you know, Yannick, I'm not sure if any of your listeners are in healthcare or if they know someone in healthcare or who are healthcare professionals, but at some point, you know, the healthcare professionals deal with this in your career and it's especially gotten worse since COVID has hit. And so my wife, who also practices medicine, you know, we, we went home one day and we really had these strong conversations about setting up our, our massive action plan. We finally decided that we needed to set the reset button. And so we did. And we, we packed our lives into two backpacks and we took a year off to travel and nomad style, okay? Uh, we on a shoestring. And, and doing this travels, you know, we, we learned a lot of things. We saw a lot of things. We learned a lot about beautiful cultures and places and people. And we also did a lot of soul searching. And in the process of doing it all, we did a lot of self-education and reading. And I did a lot of the motivational books, the Tony Robbins and the Joe Dispenza's and these books that really kind of guided us towards a different way. And, and what really started resonating with us and listening to all of this is that you know, in real estate, it's really a place where, where anyone can get started, you know, with or without experience, with or without formal education or money, but it can bring you some level of financial freedom. And so, you know, when we got back from our travels, you know, we had a little bit of money saved up. And so we got our start in real estate in the fix and flip game. And and, you know, we completed a project and that project went well. We had strong returns and we thought, you know, let, let's give it a shot. Let's do another one. And so we did. And we went from another to another, another, another. We, we completed close to over 200 projects. And with that experience and extensive knowledge of, you know, construction, renovations, you know, management operations, we were also able to complete a large volume of burrs. And if your listeners don't know what burrs are, they're, you know, the buy, the renovate, the rent, the refinance, and the repeat. That's another strategy that was really strong for us in the beginning that helped us build a nice portfolio of single family rentals. And that's really when we got that taste for that cash flow. And that cash flow really started making a big difference. And so, but now, you know, fast forward a couple of years and now we've transitioned all of our energies, focus and, and efforts towards the multifamily space. You know, we knew in going to the space that we had, you know, had a lot of gifts and a lot of superpowers and the value add systems that we built on the residential projects and it allowed it to allow us to really transition to the commercial space really seamlessly. And, you know, we had to learn the ropes of the commercial side of things like everybody else does, you know, the deal sourcing, the broker and banking relations, the underwriting, the acquisitions, the due diligence, the asset management side of things, all these important pieces, right? And, you know, we bought a couple of small multifamily, but our really our larger multifamily deal, it came actually in an off-market way where we found a 63-unit off-market, 30% vacant uh, multifamily space. And the key thing about this one is that it was just blocks away from the oceanfront. And so, you know, it was a tired landlord and, and he wanted kind of to exit off into the sunset. And so we took the opportunity. We had a business plan in place and we thought, well, you know, the next three to five years, we're going to add value. And, but we actually completed this business plan in less than a year. And we were able to add value, raise rents, you know, improve operations. But the best thing that we did is that we turned over that community. That community changed completely over. And, you know, people are proud to live there. And, and that was really a successful kind of experience. And then now, you know, as general partners and, and sponsors and operators, we, we've acquired over $30 million worth of multifamily assets over the past year. And now we're just focused on, on the scaling, the scaling of operations, you know, onwards and upwards. So that's kind of generally, generally our start. 
<laughs> no, that's a great, uh, <laughs> great start. I mean, there's so much to unpack within that story. I know that, you know, we've had conversations uh, offline, but let's jump into the 63 unit deal, right? Because that was your first deal, right? That was our first large deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For someone who is, you know, growing their business, uh, or maybe getting into the world of multifamily, like what confidence did you have to take over a building that was 30% vacant, right? Because there's a certain mentality that you're going in when you're taking over a distressed property. I mean, lending isn't necessarily too favorable. You might have to get some bridge debt. You know, you won't be able to qualify for agency. Like talk a little bit more in depth about why that property and, and the business plan behind that and maybe the success that came out of that property as well. Over the last five or seven years, especially, you know, in, in real estate, the, the market has been very, very competitive. You know, we've gone through, uh, you know, at that time we went through many highest and best and offers and and we did a lot of our, our offerings based on our underwriting criteria. You know, we always want to make sure that we we're doing right to protecting the capital that we're investing. And so we had our, our investment model and we had a difficult time really breaking through and, and making sure that we got into that that level of, of buy. But, you know, so when we saw this opportunity that came through, we said, Hey, this is really not any different to us. You know, whether it's 63 doors or one door, we just complete our business plan, rinse and repeat. We're true value adders, meaning we not only add in the physical side of things of moderate to, to high level renovations and upgrades, but we also, you know, from the operations side, we were able to find a lot of you know, in, in interviewing this previous seller, find a lot of deficiencies, lack of systems, you know, lack of things that they, they were doing that we thought, wow, we can really add this value here. And so we saw the opportunity, we underwrote it. We really knew that we can uh, aggressively attack it. And, and we did have some roadblocks and you're right. You know, when it came to the the lending environment and the certain criteria that you need to have lending of that caliber. And so uh, we connected uh, with a, a, a key principal and a sponsor at that time that would check off that box for us so we can get that deal um, moving forward because we knew it was a home run deal. We knew it. We knew it. And we knew that we could uh, and execute the plan. We just, at that time, we didn't have all the requirements that in a commercial level of, of an asset purchase that we had, but we had everything else in regards to systems, supports, you know, management, operations side of things. So we knew once we got in there, we were going to hit the ground running. And like I said, you know, we had that business plan projected for about three to five years. And in 11 months, we turned it back in, right? So we were extremely confident, you know, and we were clear about our objectives going into that. And we just hit the ground running with that. And so that's where we kind of looked at it from that standpoint, right? And as you go, as you move forward through these experiences, you learn a lot of things. You know, we're, we're focusing on the operations asset management side of things and, and things like property management, right? Finding the right property management team for the right opportunity. You don't want to bring a management team that does high-end class A properties into a C-class property deal that's going to need a lot of energy effort, right? You want to find that team that can really support you. So these things you just learn uh, with your experiences. And, and so we, we kind of fell into that opportunity and we just hit the ground running with it. That's perfect, man. I'm happy to hear that there was success on that deal. Oh, yeah. Let's jump back a little bit, right? Before that deal, you had a ton of experience in the single family space. You were successful doing 
a lot of bird transactions. How were you able to translate some of the efficiencies and systems that you built and some of the relationships that you built in the single family space into the multifamily space? I think a lot of our listeners today may have started in the single family space and are looking to make that jump. But I myself included have, you know, leveraged some of those systems from single family, you know, investing in relationships into the multifamily space. But for our listeners today, can you, you know, maybe uh, get into detail about how you were able to do that and how maybe that helped you in the 63 unit acquisition and execution of the business plan? Yeah, that's another great question. You know, like, uh, you know, we leveraged our network really strongly. You know, like I said, you know, we brought in, you know, a partner of ours that we've worked with in the past in the single family side, you know, that believed in what we were doing. Um, we leveraged our our network, close network of family and friends and, and and acquaintances. And, you know, we discussed the business plan. We presented the business plan to everybody. We talked about the pros and cons of that, you know, and the strategies that we had going into it and also the benefits of it. Not a lot of people understand the benefits of real estate, especially, you know, multifamily real estate, you know, it's one of the best wealth developing strategies out there and syndications, which is what we have done, open the doors and opportunity for a lot of people to invest in this vehicle when they couldn't before 2012. And so, you know, talking about those things, talking about the great, you know, tax benefits and knowing that it's a real asset and your capital is preserved. um, You know, a lot of our partners were reassured by that. And then discussing our systems that we have built on our single family side of things, you know, just transitioning it over, the credibility was there, the confidence, the clarity, and the certainty that we're going to execute that plan was there. And so we just talked about it with our surrounding network. And a lot of folks were really resonating with that because they said, wow, man, we can't do that. We can't even get there. I said, we can help you. We can lead the way. You know, not everybody has to drive the car. You know, there's one person driving the wheel and everybody else is a passenger, but hey, we all get to our destination and everybody wins. And so that's kind of where we went from leveraging that and obviously leveraging our, our contacts with, you know, uh, the attorneys and the uh, brokerages and the, and the lending market that really helped us put a nice, a nice whole plan together from that standpoint. So it was kind of put together in that, that categories. Yeah, I think that there's a unique opportunity and a, and a great opportunity specifically in this environment where there's a ton of you know capital out there chasing multifamily to um, leverage some of those systems in the uh, you know call it small market multifamily space that thirty to or that twenty to seventy five unit space because there's a lot of capital looking at a hundred plus unit deals and and you might be competing with some private equity firms that you can't necessarily compete with on a cost of capital perspective. I think for syndicators who are trying to do their first deal, maybe in the smaller space, I think one of the best ways that you you can do, and, and you've done it too, is, and we've done this too, is, is leverage some of the single family relationships, the pricing. You know, I like to say relationship pricing, right? By some of the vet, same vendors that you would use on um, a single family project, some of those vendors would apply in a multifamily space, right? And I think leveraging that strategy would allow you to compete at a, at a at a better level compared to, you know, maybe someone who is just in the single family space, maybe doesn't really know too much about multifamily, isn't really too active about it, and is just kind of looking for, you know, a step up in the game. I think in this environment today, the best way to win deals is by cutting costs, operational costs, figuring out a way how to how to, you know, 
cut that rehab budget, but not be too, um, I guess, you know, less conservative. So uh, what are your thoughts on on that acquisition strategy? Yeah, you're right. You're completely right. You have to play, you know, the game that I always say, play the game that's in front of you, right? You can't change the rules. You can't change the environment. So you have to adjust your strategy to win the game. And so, you know, finding your superpowers and strengths, you know, and trying to focus on right now, you know, uh, we always tell everybody it's either the price or the terms. And then on the operation side of things, it's trying to find a balance between adding value and then getting your overall budget to fit well so that the property is, is cash flowing well. And so, you know, that's why you say it's really important to, to find a team that fits your your model and your standards. You know, like with us, you know, we're, we're an open door. You know, I invite everybody to come, come down, let's do due diligence, come down and we're going to do property walkthroughs. We actually do video walkthroughs for some of our, our projects and we send it to some of our investors so they can see like, hey, we want you to learn the processes that we have, not only for you to learn, but also for you to build confidence in what we're doing. And it's kind of having that same plan, you know, the different vendors and our in-house construction teams, you know, our management teams that we've aligned well with our business plan, um, knowing that you can leverage that strength and that what they have, and also finding the solutions for the problems that come up. And so, you know, the renovation side of things, especially during COVID, and you understand, it was a difficult time to get opportunities to fit the business plan model because we had supply chain issues, inflation went out the window, there was a lot of bidding wars and things like that, and that takes away from your chess pieces that you can play. And so, you know, overall, it's finding the strategy that works for you, staying within your criteria that you set for yourself, reviewing the plan and changing the plan as it goes. Like sometimes you have to make adjustments. Interest rates rising four and a half to five you know, percent was not projected by anybody. So making the changes in those things and being proactive, not rea- you know, reactive. Some people are reactive. We're proactive, like seeing things coming and making some adjustments. Those are kind of the things that I say that differentiates you, you know, and younger or newer syndicators that are starting out. You, know, you have to really stay as conservative as you can because it's not about what you've done in the past, but it's what have you done for me lately. People have short-term memories. And so, you know, they, you may have done great things in the past, but if you risk the investment or you're not communicating enough or have kind of, you're really going to start losing trust. And this whole thing is about trust. We're investing all of us together and, and for the future, for the wealth development. And so these are the kind of things that come up in mind when, when you mention something like that. It's all about building the right vision for that business plan. Makes 100% sense. I mean, I, I totally agree. So let's talk about your acquisition criteria. You know, what are you looking for? You know, what markets are you interested in? And how are you looking at, you know, the markets today and when you're looking at penciling deals to bring to your investors? Yeah, of course. Yeah, we're looking at opportunities. You know, we always say um, we look at anything that's within our buy box. You know, I always tell everybody, we'll look at small stuff still too. There's great opportunity, like you said, in these smaller asset classes, you know, between let's call it the twenties and the 75 unit opportunities. Cause sometimes it's not sexy. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes there's heavy value add, but the, the return model and the potential returns there are excellent. And if you're willing to partner up with a team that has the bandwidth for that, um, has the hunger for that, you know, has great opportunity and underwriting for that, 
then I will take it because, you know, our criteria is we want to focus on places with, you know, great, strong, stable rents, you know, general uh, household income that is above the, the national median, right? We want to focus on a place that's got overall history of vacancies that are not going to be more than five to 8%, looking at opportunities where we're underwriting models of expenses that are no less than 50%. If you're buying the smaller stuff, which likely will be older, you know, 50 plus year older, you're going to spend more capital to bring it up to today's standards, right? But you can't do everything. You can't go underground and change the plumbing or you can't really go and rip out the electrodes in the walls, but you plan for that. You have reserves and you have, um, you know, CapEx reserves for these things. So, you know, we're, we're looking at that standard. And, you know, and one thing that I hear all the time, right, is that, oh man, you know, 5,000 uh, per door renovation applies to everything. I'm like, I don't think we can put a product out there that I would be proud of. I would just say everything that we do, I would live in, okay? So putting something out there is gonna cost a little bit more in the upfront expenses, but in the long run, you're gonna have a desirable product, you're gonna have a great community base living there, and you're gonna have people that are gonna wanna live there for a long time if you're doing something right, not just slapping some paint and some stuff on it, right? So that's generally what we're looking at. Um, things that make sense from those kind of data standpoints. Makes total sense. I think in today's environment, especially where, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty, I think con being conservative is the way to go. I think how we're looking at deals is is figuring out how can we focus on cash flow and opportunities. You know, we know that, let me say this, we anticipate the capital markets <laughs> to not be in the same condition, you know, a couple years out. And we think that the Fed is going through what they're going through, right? They have to do it to calm the uh, economy down. But I think as we, you know, progress over the next couple of years, depending on which side the coin flips, I think that, you know, we're going to get back to some stabilized capital markets, uh, you know, uh, position. And, and that will be a compelling opportunity for a lot of investors who are able to take advantage of lower pricing in today's environment, who are able to negotiate lower opportunities because of the pricing, you know, stumble across some of the uh, sellers who might have debt that they really have to get out of and they, you know, you're able to secure a, a really nice opportunity. I think in today's environment, definitely the value add opportunity is always the way to go. But I think cash flow is really, really important. And just understanding what you're getting into in today's environment, specifically for the newer investor or the syndicator who might not have you know, a couple of deals under their belt, they might have done their first deal and you know, haven't really you know, ran into any issues or hurdles. I think in today's environment, I would definitely be having my head on the swivel, <laughs> so to right. speak. Right. No, I agree with that. You know, and and you're right. You know, um, and like I said before, whether they're new or or they've had extensive experience, you know, as long as they have a good business plan, they have a team in place, a lot of support teams. Right. You can be a new syndicator, but you have an excellent property management company backing you up. That's going to execute the business plan. And you have a conservative kind of outlook at your investment with conservative numbers and reserves. As long as you progress to, to finding your solution for problems that always come up, it's a great opportunity to get started at a ground level. You know, especially some of the beginning investors, the investors looking for the alternative asset to invest in outside of the, we call the casino, which is the stock market, right? The casino there. So we usually say you want to hedge against that, especially a hedge against inflation, right? Nobody's thinking about that. It's not how much you really make, it's how much you keep at the end. And nobody really, know, no, nobody really knows the beauty and the magic of how the real estate you know, environment and the tax code works. 
And so it's really getting started with that. And honestly, to even before looking at opportunities and deals, I usually would say to your listeners who are your kind of beginning uh, listeners trying to focus on what they should do, it's more of like developing your, your action plan. Even right now, you know, like I said, we can't control the game. We can't control the rules of the environment, but you can't control what you do on a day-to-day basis, right? And so developing your plan of, we always say, it's not, what do I do? What do I do today? Where do I start? It's, where am I going? Where do I want to be in the next year, five years, 10 years, 30 years? You know, starting to develop that, we call it the massive action plan. It's like developing your goals, figuring out your whys of why you want to do this. You know, what is your, your motivating energy? Is it you want to reach financial freedom for your family? You want to reach financial freedom because you want your time back because it's being taken by a, a, another source. You, you want to live a life where you can choose to do what you want. You know, that's great. And you figure out that why and you didn't try to figure out, then you figure out your house of who do I need to, to be around or what am I going to do? Is it real estate? And if that is a part of the roadmap, then that's great. You know, and those are the things I say that a lot of people miss those steps in their ladder of success and their ladder of financial freedom because financial freedom is a stepwise ladder. It doesn't, you know, real estate, just like you say, right? It's a marathon. It's not a quick get rich scheme. It's, it's a wealth developing strategy. So you should develop your goals right now, right now. You should be focusing on, you know, what are your next actionable steps? What are your tasks? Right. And you know, I usually say, you know, it's focusing on your dues. What do you do today? You know, what do you delegate for tomorrow? What do you defer to your partners, to your leverage network? And what do you completely dump that is a waste of time that you will not really focus on getting towards your goals? That's where my head at, and that's where I get the head out of my team around me. It's like, let's focus on our action plan instead of trying to hit our head and watch the news and try to crystal ball this whole thing. It's like, where can we control? Well, we can be ready and we can have our ready set plan to attack. And we are already in that mode already, right? And you know that markets and cycles come and go. And the goal is to outlast this little storm that's here because it's going to go away. And this story is going to be of history. And then we're going to have a new brand, new sunshine, and it's going to go great again. Yeah, I totally agree, man. I totally agree. I think what what I'm getting from that is success happens when opportunity meets preparation. And preparing yourself, whether it's delegating some of the tasks that you don't really want to do, that's not adding value to your business, because that's one of the things that that I really had to figure out as I went about my real estate journey was not everything deserves my time. I'm not the best person for picking out materials from Home Depot, Right. I'm probably better off talking to investors and helping other people invest in real estate, right? And spreading the message. So I think you really have to figure out where's your time best valued within your business as it correlates to where you want to go in the life that you want to design for yourself, because not everyone wants to be an active investor. And certainly we can talk for days about the headaches and the bumps and bruises as an active investor. Um, Some people just want to be passive as well. And I think, you know, financial freedom is just about, you know, what it looks like for you, right? Because one person might want to be a billionaire and the next person just wants to spend time with their children and, and have enough money to have that flexibility. So I think just figure it out on your, you know, your terms and, and work backwards to execute on that goal. Hey, listen up. If you're an employee, business owner, or professional athlete with money in the bank, 
earning 0% return, and you're thinking about passively investing in real estate, well, you need to check out our ultimate syndication guide for passive investors. This free guide absolutely covers everything you need to know about passively investing in real estate syndication or just real estate in general. If you want access to this valuable resource, go to MerlinAcquisitions.com slash passive guide to download the free syndication guide for passive investors. That's M-E-R-L-Y-N-N acquisitions.com slash passive guide or head over to the show notes and click the link to download. Now let's get back to the show. I know that you have a ton of experience in the, in the real estate space. You have a lot of wisdom from going through what you've been through and, and different deals and experiences and just on your journey. What is your superpower for a 25-8 capital? That's a great question. You know, identifying our superpower initially, you know, was a, a process that we worked through, you know, but, you know, at 25-8 capital, we, we've kind of, you know, made it our focus and energy, you know, to help help our team and help our, our, our partners around us reach their level of financial freedom. And so our, our focus is really to, to operate and manage their assets so that we can help them reach their goal, you know, and everybody has a different superpower when it comes to the multifamily game, deal sourcing, capital raising, acquisitions, underwriting, you know, what we want to focus on pushing the business plan forward, you know, working and leveraging our partnership and networks to make our efficiencies improve and get our teams and our goals to the next level, right? You know, and such that we we keep our growth phase going as we are right now. You know, we an example of you know we're we're always trying to focus on communication, communication as a team, whether you know it's the ownership team communicating with management or it's the twenty five eight capital team communicating with our partners, investment partners that work with us. You know, it's making sure that one voice one direction that we're making towards that. And so that's where we focus our energy and superpower is the deal sourcing, the operations side of things and, and finding solutions, man, <laughs> find solutions. I mean, you know, examples like with, you know, with rents rising so quickly over the last few years, you know, people, you know, normally qualified for those rents previously, right. You know, and, and have been able to, but now with income standards and your, your qualifications for down payments, things have changed. Right. So an, a tenant that you had last year or two years ago that was renting at a certain rate and you raised the rents, they may no longer qualify. And so with our teams and strategy, we've used certain programs like the Rhino program or the guarantors program that assist folks with rental and deposit assistance. And, and these programs have opened doors for people to live in communities that it couldn't and for teams to really have their property stabilized. Right. So it's kind of those kind of things. You know, our superpowers is finding solutions for problems. When you talk about that, I think about when I was getting into the multifamily space years ago, I kept hearing in times of turbulence, people from class A go to class B and then class right. B go to C and you want to be in class C. Right. But the thing is, you better know how to operate in class right. C, right? Because right. you're pretty much playing in a space where um, the demographic that's going to occupy your property is likely going to be the most amount of people that are going to be affected in a recession. So. Right. That's a, a great point that you brought up as it pertains to the rents example. So, right. hey, Victor, you've been, you know, on a great journey, um, had a ton of success, you know, have done deals. You know, if you were to start this marathon all over again, what do you think you would do differently that would add to your success today? Gosh, that's such a thoughtful, like, you know, question. The one thing that I usually would think of first and foremost is I would get rid of my limiting beliefs my limiting beliefs that I couldn't, I couldn't 
because I didn't have the education or I couldn't because I didn't have money or I couldn't because I, you know, I, I don't know what, what I'll do. I don't want to lose my money. These limiting beliefs that everybody has, these, these saboteurs, their subconscious themselves that gives them reasons, you know, not to do something. I would focus on, you know, quieting down those limiting beliefs and finding, you know, solutions for them. You know, that was one thing that originally, you know, we, we should have scaled a lot sooner. We should have gone, you know, bigger, but it was more of like, we need to build our systems. We need to build our team. The key factor is we should have just leveraged our partnerships and grew from the get-go because we knew what we had was powerful. We should have widened our, our action plan. You know, we should have gone bigger and better, right? We should have gone that way. And those are things that we always talk about, you know, when we see the opportunities and the numbers make sense, let's take action on these things, right? And more than anything, one thing that I do now that I didn't do in the beginning, and this is one thing that I, I will tell your listeners to really focus on is that, you know, you can have, you can have a dream and you can have a goal and you can even have a plan, but you need to timestamp that plan and set the deadlines for you to execute on them because you can always keep kicking that can down the road for another day, for another year, for another opportunity you're going to really maintain in the same place that you were yesterday. So it's really time stamping and setting those goals into action with that. That's one thing that I was also would resonate with your listeners to say, just, just take action. You know, 25, eight capital. We always say that just be stronger than your excuses. And we really kind of try to focus on that. That's perfect, man. That's perfect advice. I really, really, uh, believe in that the limiting beliefs, uh, you know, ideology that, that you mentioned uh, about just pushing past those limiting beliefs, because a lot of times our biggest enemy could be within the, the 10 inches on our head, right? Between ear to ear. And a lot of the noise that uh, comes from our external environment gets stuck in our head. But I think if you kind of take it day by day and just focus on the next step, the next thing, taking those small actionable bites and, um, you know, just Inhaling belief and exhaling doubt, I think on a daily basis is the best way to go about it. So, you know, this has been a wonderful conversation, Victor. How can our listeners follow 258 Capital or potentially invest with your company? Yeah, sure. Of course. Yeah, you can uh, reach out to us, you know, website 258cap.com. Reach out to us there, connect with us there. Um, we have a lot of content on our website from things that we've done. Um, also, all over social media, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, even on LinkedIn, we put a lot of content out that we want to kind of give our viewership and our, and our partners and insiders look to what we do. You know, we don't just focus on like business, business, business all the time. You know, we're really focused on forming factors in our goals. You know, it's our, it's our mindset, you know, our mindset and, and focusing on our health, you know, staying active and focusing on our health, um, focusing on wealth and legacy building strategies, not just trying to focus on like making a quick buck. It's, it's the long game that we're focused on getting folks to build their legacy for their future. And so you can just, you know, follow us on any of those platforms and reach out to us. We're pretty interactive and, uh, we do, you know, a couple of uh, meetups and masterminds and online stuff that people from all over the country or the world can really just meet up and just join in and, um, and just be a part of our tribe. Absolutely. Well, Victor, thanks again for being a guest on our show. I mean, we dove into a lot of insightful topics about your experience transitioning from being a physician to the world of real estate, your ability to leverage the systems from the single family space to be successful in multifamily, your mindset, your beliefs. I mean, all of the things that I think our listeners really need to focus on to be successful. So 
Thanks again for being a guest on our show. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to another episode of the Mogul Marathon Real Estate Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you'll never miss another great episode. And also, please, please, please leave us a review. It will really help with the show's visibility. So until next time, let's take action. Be great today. And remember that real estate is a marathon, not a sprint. So run your own race. Thanks again, Victor. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.